to another episode of the Suda Kings podcast. Today, I am very much looking forward to the interview with Ian Matakis. Wes and I are going to be asking him some questions, just kind of breaking down um, his poker story. Um, if you didn't already know Ian, and Ian, real quick, let me clarify. Was it Matakis? Is that pronounced correctly? Yeah, Matakis is good, yeah. Is your middle name John? No, it's not John. Okay, I just I just wanted to guess. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, Mr. Ian Matakis, uh, total live earnings one point six five seven million dollars, um, and that doesn't even include his online caches of over three million. Um, Ian is the reigning twenty twenty three WSOP Player of the Year, and he is the reigning Fall Poker Classic main event champion. Much to my personal dismay, but. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty sick. Congrats on that, too. Uh, so, quick story, Wes and Ian. Yeah, well, we got heads up for the um, the Fall Poker Classic main event title. Ian took it down. Um, it was pretty crazy. We got, I won a flip. I two-outed him on the river, and then he won, like, five all-ins in a row. So, <laughs> you know. Oh, man. It was, it was fun, though, and... We were yeah, talking they had about 200k at 500k big blind, and you had like yeah. one million or something. That's yeah. that's absolutely insane. Um, Ian, but, so you have two banners of yourself this year now. Yeah, that's I was not that's what I was gonna say. Now. Yeah, what's it like having two banners in one year? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I haven't seen either of them yet, so it'll be a little, it'll be interesting to walk in and kind of see me up there in Vegas next summer and then. You know, every time I come back to Canterbury too. So do we know um do we know what picture is being used? No idea. All right, because I remember there's a picture of you with a uh I, I don't, you know, for lack of a better term, a Hitler stash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no, we'll probably skip that one. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> but did did you what what came to be with that? Did you end up like I heard something about a bet, is that right? No, I was joking about the bet. You know, I'm actually not even sure when that picture was taken because I can't remember if I've ever even had just a stash with no, like, nothing else. Oh, like, really? I'm not completely certain that that wasn't, like, Photoshopped or something. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then then never mind. We'll move on from that. But you have absolutely incredible results so far. Um, I remember I, the first time I think I played with you was maybe 2016. Does that sound about right? Um, yeah, so 2016, I guess I would have been 19. Yeah, so probably around then. That's so cool, man. Um, I guess a great place for us to start today is just kind of um, discussing what the beginning of your poker journey was like, uh, how you got into it, you know, what gave you the bug? Um, how did you find out about poker? Yeah, so my sister taught me how to play when I was very young. Like, she taught me how to play the rules when I was, like, seven or eight. And then I would play, like, penny games with uh, my brothers and her as well. Um, okay. Yeah. And then did you, like, st when did you start playing in casinos? Um, well, casinos not till 18, but I was playing online, like, free rolls or, like, low-stakes stuff. Like, I was on forums and stuff when I was 
like 13 even oh you were so so you were in love with it at an early age before you're like legally allowed to play yeah yeah so i remember at my old house my brother had a computer in his room and every time he left i would just go right to his room get on the computer and play poker nice Um, does he know this yeah of course yeah (laughs) there's a few times where he just went to like run a quick errand you know he was gone for a few minutes and then i'm just sitting there back in his like computer chair and he's like really dude i was gone for like four minutes (laughs) That's awesome. Did you bust his bankroll ever? Um, no, I don't think I ever busted his bankroll or anything, but um, yeah. That's super cool. So so even at this age, like at what point was playing poker professionally something that was on your radar? Because I remember I probably first played with you. It was some one-two home game in 2018, I want to say. And at this point, I know I think you were in college, but you had already won some running aces tournament. But mayhem in may i think right yeah i think that was 2018 yeah okay um so, i remember go ahead oh yeah so at this point i kind of already saw you as someone who was on that trajectory mm-hmm. um so yeah was that something that was always on your mind or did it come once you started having some success yeah, so 2018 was my sophomore year of college i remember playing quite a bit of poker like driving to aces it was like a 20 minute drive from where i was living at the time but 2019 my junior year of college i remember sitting down with uh two of my roommates at the time we're sitting up on our roof like i don't know it was like a house that you could just like easily get on the roof and like there was a cool view Mm -hmm. Um, not a nice house at all but i mean you're college guys yeah okay yeah right um but yeah, I remember sitting down and being like, listen, guys, like, I think I'm going to drop out of school and like play poker full time. And I remember one of them was like, yeah, I think you should do it. And the other one was like, well, you're so close to finishing. Like, I think it would maybe be worthwhile finishing. I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm just going to go for it. Worst case scenario, I come back and finish if it doesn't go well. OK, yeah. OK. So yeah, it was like second semester of junior year. I ended up dropping out first what? semester. I like didn't go to any classes at all. <laughs> what were you going to college for? Uh, accounting with a minor in Spanish. Okay. Okay. Cool. And then, so, so this whole conversation happened after you won Mayhem in May, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So about a year later. And you had probably, I don't remember if it was that year, maybe it was, but you had made a couple final tables at MSPTs. Like you had just turned 20. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had a fourth. Um, Like I had a pretty good year 2018 for not, quote-unquote being a pro yeah yeah that's right and you because i'm looking at your hand in here and i see you also so in march you final table it looks like your first big live final table is the 280 pot of gold tournament yeah you got fourth for sixteen thousand six hundred bucks brian soja won that one i believe is that, is that the one brian won okay brian soja a local running aces uh employee and and player um smooth hands soja i think is what he goes by something like yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, so, you know, it's kind of funny, Ian, I'm looking here over your hand in right now, uh, between 2016 and 2018, your first, your first two caches were $50 tournaments at Canterbury. Yeah, I, I won the first ever live tournament I ever played was a $50 tournament at Canterbury. That's a good start. That's a great start. Yeah, <laughs> just rocking it. Um, at that point, you started playing live. Um, you start seeing, you know, players around and you start meeting um, players who who was influencing you at that time um yeah you know i think it was 2018 uh the fourth place finish i had in in tama 
Uh, I remember Ku actually messaging me afterwards and he said like, Hey man, like I, I know you're from Minnesota. You know, I think you play very well. And I would just kind of like to invite you into our like group chat to talk poker. Mm-hmm. That's so cool because uh, as many of the listeners know, Ku Vang is a Minnesota legend, one of the best players any of us know. Um, and and that kind of leads me into another question I have for you. I mean, I'm assuming this is kind of where he got the idea was from watching you play there. But right out of the gate, I mean, many years ago, Ku, to me and many other players, was like, Ian's the next big thing. Like, he's going to, you know, he's going to do big things. And so keep an eye out for him. And I mean, here we are in 2023. You got a WSOP player of the year. Um, you won the Fall Pork Classic. You got, I think I counted five or six six-figure scores just this year alone. Uh, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I'm very fortunate of the year I've had. Um, yeah, and- I actually think that I would have guessed it's more, but. Yeah, I, I just counted right now too. And that doesn't World. count online. That's just live. Okay, fair. Yeah. And I so it for the World Series, I think you had eight top 15 finishes. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty crazy too. I mean, yeah, even, two of the six maxes, which aren't technically considered final tables. Yeah, you had like a ninth and seventh and two six maxes, and then a ninth and an eight max. So you had like a couple unofficial yeah. final tables. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, what's so crazy about that is even making one run like that, even if you're out there for a whole summer, like getting one World Series final table in a large field makes it a pretty good summer, most likely. Yeah, for sure. Well, in the summer before, I went and also played a full summer and just had basically no runs at all. Like, I think mm-hmm. I maybe had one deep run and it just didn't amount to anything. So I basically yeah. got crushed the summer before. Yeah. And then you come back and just 180 on the next summer. That's that's pretty incredible. So, so a couple questions on that. Um, first, what was it like winning a bracelet? I know it was online, so mm-hmm. maybe it felt different. But was there something different about the feeling of winning a World Series bracelet than any other type of tournament? Uh, yeah, it was amazing, man. I So I was playing a day two um or sorry a day one of a live tournament and playing the bracelet online on my phone (laughs) we made day two of the live tournament and my buddy also made day two so he drove us back to the airbnb and i was playing like final 10 or 12 players on my phone in the car Mm -hmm. um there was even a little bit of a sweat in like the parking garage like the internet going out for a second (laughs) um got back basically the final table started right as we got back so i hopped to my laptop instead of a phone of course um ended up finishing around 4 a.m i think um yeah yeah, I, uh, yeah it was it was amazing what's then, sorry ahead. let me let me ask you that was um it's, what was the buy-in for that event again uh it was a 500 Okay, five hundred dollar, yeah, five hundred dollar online bankroll builder event where you, <laughs> you won it for one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, there was a lot of people in that, and that was you know the first couple of days of me being there. And and just to reiterate, so what what Ian is saying, guys, is that he was playing live in a tournament while also playing on this tournament on his phone at the table. He finishes that tournament, bags up for another day, comes home. Uh, you know, gets the internet disconnect sweat with 10 or so left and then somehow, you know, comes back and finishes the job. I think if, for those who know Ryan DePaul, uh, DePaulo or whatever, you'd make him proud because 
He won one in his <laughs> yeah. car, I think, if I remember correctly. Yep, in yeah. a parking lot, I think. I mean, my other question is, why the hell didn't you also win the live event? Yeah. <laughs> what a fish. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I think I went very deep in that one. Also, we finished up at 4 a.m. I wasn't able to sleep until like 6 or 7 a.m. or something like that. I was just oh, yeah, wired, excited. And I think the day two started at 10. So there was not much sleep before the next uh, full day of poker. Definitely. Okay. Can we let's take a step back here for a quick second? So I just want to go back to where you're talking about um, college. You know, you had that night. Obviously, it was a memorable night. You remember sitting there with your friends talking about, you know, this is a big turning point. You're like, I think I'm going to quit college. I think I'm going to take poker on. Um, you're clearly at this point already very passionate. Um, what <clears throat> after you quit college? What did it look like from that point? Did you just start playing all the dailies? Did you have a plan? Did you create a plan? What did that look like for you? Um, yeah, so that year was actually the most I've ever traveled for poker, uh, my junior year of college. I think the one reason for that is like the house we ended up in renting like was like kind of a last choice type thing. So like I didn't I didn't want to be there if that makes sense. So I ended up traveling for poker a lot that year. Um, also, it was just going well, so I wanted to keep playing. But yeah, I think like I mean there was. I remember my roommate saying many times, like, dude, you were never home that year. Yeah. Did you um did you get feel like you got burned out at any point? Did it go well out of the gate for you when you switched to full time? Um, yeah, definitely some burnout and like, you know, that's kind of the time to take some take a break. Um yeah. I think I've always been pretty good about that, like taking a break when I feel burned out. But I'm glad you brought that up. Wes and I have discussed on previous episodes how important breaks can take. Uh I mean, for me, I was telling him, like, if I get to burnout mode three to four weeks off and really just staying away from it, for me, kind of uh, helps me with my mindset, get out of those terrible feedback loops or those, uh, you know, those thought loops. For Wes, he's a robot. He's like, I need two days. But um, <laughs> we know it's Wes. He's a robot. So <laughs> a little bit. Um, cool. So I, also at this point, you're, you're, you know, you're doing live things. What's online looking like for you? Um, yeah, so online right now, I'm mostly playing like three days a week. And that's kind of like Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Um, and then I'm coaching a bunch too. So, um, okay, yeah. that's right now. That's kind of your schedule at the moment. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just playing on uh, ACR at the time being. Okay, you're playing on just ACR. Okay. Yep. Um, a little bit of global as well cash games and stuff. You are. What's if you don't mind me asking? Are you willing to tell us what your name is on Global? Yeah, for sure. It's always Aces, uh, ninety-seven or nineteen ninety-seven, something like that. Always Aces. You must cool. be playing mostly PLO because I haven't seen you on there. Yes, in a while. PLO. Okay, so you play a lot of PLO cash then? Yeah, dude, that, that's super cool. Um, let's see here. So just kind of, let's see where are we at. So we yeah. go ahead. So so I going back to the Player of the Year this summer. Um, I was going to ask, at what point did you really feel like you had a shot to win player of the year? Because obviously your bracelet came within the first few days of the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, Was it right then or was it after you had made a few more, you know, deep runs or at least caches where you really yeah. thought, I'm going to go for it? It was around the half point of the summer where I think something got tweeted out by like WSOP or Poker News or something like that. That was basically just like Ian is leading the thing. And I, I uh, jokingly said somebody needs to 
teach me mixed games. I remember I that. Remember that. Yeah. And there was a lot of buzz around that. Like Sean Deeb decided that he wanted to offer me a prop bet, like give me odds on player of the year. But Did yeah, you take I mean, odd. Uh, no, we didn't end up doing any sort of bet. I I just thought I was a bigger dog than he was offering. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I stopped playing like win in Venetian and all other venues and just played WSOP stuff for the rest of the summer, basically from that point. I love, uh, I loved, absolutely loved see- logging into Twitter and seeing Mike the Mouth Matisau giving you <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> Mike was saying, essentially, for those that, that, that didn't know, uh, they were saying that, you know, Ian kind of wasn't deserving of player of the year because online events count towards points. However, I mean, it's important to note that all players have access to both events. Um, yeah. And and it's, you know, he's, he's he, not only did he do well online and win a brace online, but he killed it live with, I don't know, how many total caches did you have this summer? I think 24, 15 in person and nine online. I mean, that's undeniable, right? So, yeah, I think that's super cool. Well, and the fact that you did it, you know, you said you jokingly asked people to teach you mixed games. Mm-hmm. You didn't play mixed games, you know. You I didn't play a single mixed game tournament. I was actually going, I hopped on a phone call with somebody. He gave me like a quick crash course. I was going to play it if I busted something, but I ended up going deep in that and couldn't play it. Was, was that the PLO, that. the 3K PLO, if I remember? I think so, yeah. I was going to play like some 500 horse after and I sold like I sold like <laughs> most of the action just like if people wanted to sweat. That's um, awesome. You probably never in there for the points and learning. Yeah. You probably never thought you were going to sell for a $500 tournament again. Uh, yeah, I guess I usually don't, but yeah, yeah, that was a good circumstance to sell for that. So Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up too here, I noticed uh, from this summer, you had you entered a fifty thousand dollar buy in pot limit Omaha tournament. What uh, and it, got ninth right <laughs> and cashed it. Um, I'm assuming is this your first high stakes tournament entry? Um, or no, I had played some twenty five k's before that, but that was the first fifty k I've ever. Okay, twenty five k's was that like PCA or World Series stuff? Uh pca yeah it was like the um pspc i believe yeah yeah okay um so yeah you played the fifty thousand dollar buying event um what was that experience like uh sitting down at the table with all these people you're probably very familiar with um and probably a lot who aren't very familiar with you other than knowing that you're probably leading player of the year at this point what's sitting down uh what were the nerves like what was the what did what it feel like um, yeah, it was very cool playing my first 50k. I I actually max late registered it for like 15 or 20 bigs because I was deep in something else. But I sold a lot of action, so that kind of took the nerves away for that. Um interesting. Not sometimes a little, little slice. Yeah, a little slice <laughs> of that. Um, I think it's funny though, because a lot of people might think the opposite, where if you're selling action, you might feel added pressure having to um having to, you know, uh deal with them if you don't cash, et cetera. But I mean, when you, when you know that uh, you sell action and tournaments have high variance, that, that just is the result sometimes. Yeah. It was also a turbo. So like there was a lot of just like, I was, I had between 10 and 25 bigs basically all the way from day two down to like nine left really. Like I think the most I ever got up to was 30 or 40 bigs max. Um, So yeah, it was a lot of just like, short stacking 
Yeah. How did you feel your skill level? Like, did you feel like you were right at home in that turn? You know, obviously at 50K, it's going to be a lot less recreational players. Um, did you feel like you fit right in as far as skill? Yeah, I did because I've played just so much PLO cash. And mm. not only that, but like ACR has these rat hole games, or it's called no rat hole games, where you buy in for 10 big blinds. Yeah. So I've actually played a lot of like short stack um, PLO and put a lot of work into it. So yeah, it was very comfortable, I would say. And I actually saw quite a few like mistakes from players I would not expect to make mistakes at that level. So, That's super cool. That, I've played those rat hole games. They are big action. Yeah, yeah. A lot of variance in those, at least until you build a stack. Right. And then, yeah, all of a sudden you have 300 big blinds and they have 10 or 20 or something. <laughs> yeah, and you just keep running like 60-40s with them or 50-50s. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not a PLO specialist by any means, but isn't, don't equities run a lot closer in PLO than they do in No Limit Hold'em? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, now, kind of moving on from the World Series for a second, I kind of want to get a little insight. Or did you have anything else you wanted to ask about the World Series, Wes? No, no, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Wes brought this topic up. So I thought, it, you know, it's an important thing to bring up is what does studying look like to you? Um, if maybe from when you started till now, how has it changed? And then also on top of that, what would you recommend newer players or maybe even, you know, intermediate players do to improve their game? Sure. I guess what studying kind of looks like now is let's say I'm going to play a session on Thursday, like an MTT session. I will look at some hands before and then I will save a bunch of hands that I was unsure about during the session and look at them after. Um, or if I'm very burnt out after that day, I'll look at them the next day before my next session or whatever. Um, but yeah, I use quite a few different tools to study. Um, one thing I'll say for people who are have not studied is I would stay away from like solvers at least in the beginning mm -hmm. um there's just a lot you have to like understand to be able to make sense of what the solver tells you to do it's not about like memorizing certain things it's more of like a concept and pattern game that that people need to yeah. okay would would you say that because this is how I've sort of described it is mm -hmm. when you're when you're in a game, you need to think more like if the solver knew what this opponent's actual range was, how would the solver play against that range? Not what would yeah. the solver play against yeah. itself? You know? Yeah. So you might look at a hand, like let's say you're thinking about bluff catching the river um, and the solver will say, okay, it's hundred percent call on the river. Well, you can't just take that for what it is. You have to look and see like, okay, they're supposed to be bluffing all these hands. And like, realistically people just, will not be bluffing nearly as much as a solver. Yeah. So that makes your 100% call like, okay, now we can just fold. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think that's a great, great um, thing to bring up because I think one thing that players can struggle with, you know, when they have a decent understanding of the game and they're maybe winning at low stakes or whatever, and they're trying to approve, they can you know, maybe they're in that spot where they bluff catch the river, the guy has the nuts, and then they put it through the solver and they can use it to say, oh, well, I made the right play. And so they just kind of justify it 
and they'll keep yeah. paying off in that spot. Yeah, there, there's a lot of like just like trying to justify your plays and not digging deeper into what's actually important in the hand. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. That's, yeah. that's super cool. So the, the solver assumes we're playing against perfect poker, right? Or another solver, exactly. whereas whereas the opponents we're playing against are far from that ability there. So like, in, so say the bluff catching spot, um, we're folding here as an exploit then, correct? Would that be right? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't do a lot of solving stuff. I've always been more of an intuitive type player. I've always studied, watched poker, talked a lot of poker. I never ran Sims and did a lot of that stuff. Um, after meeting Wes, I actually before meeting Wes, I did a little bit, but um, it's become a lot more part of my game ever since Wes and I become friends. I think, it, you know, I've explained this again on other episodes, but it's helped me build a foundation to which I can then deviate kind of from, if that's a good way to put it. But yeah, it just helps my base knowledge, essentially. Yeah, I will add in, like you asked, you know, what people should be doing to get better at at least like the lower levels, like watching good players is kind of what you want to do. And then like mm-hmm. kind of seeing why they're doing certain things. You you definitely just want to stay away from solvers at the earlier levels. Yeah, 100% agree. I remember, I mean, I watch all my favorite content right now. Um, is EPT content. It doesn't come around as much. I just love their production. The quality is so high. Um, I, But kind of how I do it is uh, I'll kind of guess ahead of time what I think they're going to do. And then, mm-hmm. you know, if it's different from what I think they're going to do, um, I ask myself, why did they do that? And then, you know, I, sometimes you might never get an answer. It might be like, I don't understand that. But this is a good way to kind of just continuously ask yourself questions. So when you find yourself in a similar spot, you're prepared to make a good decision. Yeah, for sure. And also it's good to keep like a very open mind with poker. Like there's been plenty of things that people do and I'm like, oh, I'm like, I don't think that's good. Like I would not do that. And then I look at it and I'm like, oh, like that's what you're supposed to do. Like, and then kind of thinking about why and yeah, just not like writing stuff off right away, basically. That's huge. Yeah. I think poker is such a beautiful game and a lot of people will say, well, there's nothing else I could do like that, that hand, you know, but like you said, digging deeper into it can get you a lot more answers or help you understand the spot better. I mean, I know I've ran a bunch of hands across West where I'm just like, oh, like I had one thought towards it. But after we talked about it, I'm like, okay, well, I was completely wrong. This is, yeah. yeah. Well, and I've, I've had the same thing where I'm like, oh, that isn't what I would default to do, but I see why you did it and it seems to work a lot. So maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it's a beautiful game, right? Like we, there's so many different styles you can have on it. Obviously, um, some better than others are more profitable, I guess I should say. But <laughs> so, so my other question, I mean, I have several, but one more question I have is between, you know, you've, you've moved from more mid stake stuff and you're playing a lot more high stakes. So, you know, even, even though you're not like firing 50 Ks all the time, you've played one or two and you've played you know a handful of 10ks i don't know how many and online you're playing you know up to what like 2500 or 5k even yeah 2500 is usually the highest they have on acr yeah so what how much more difficult does it get as you move up in stakes like what are the biggest differences you see between you know, maybe online one or two hundreds versus 2,500s. And then in terms of live poker, like between, a, you know, 500, 1100 up to like the 10, 25 K level. 
Sure. Yeah, I would say for live specifically, you'll kind of start to see the biggest differences between like the 1K and like the 3500s, like okay. WPG. Um, 1K and below is pretty much all the same in live poker for the most part. Yeah. Um, and then like online is generally just much tougher. Like you see a lot more hands. Like that's kind of the main reason, I guess. But like a 200 online will be kind of similar to like, I don't know, 1K or 3500 live. Like 200s online are pretty tough in general. Yeah, I, I would All say. All people who work on their game and like take it seriously. and Yeah, I would say an online 200 is definitely tougher than a 1K live. But, you know, probably yeah. more in the, like I've only played a couple 3Ks and then you know, main event, whatever. But I would say online 200s are probably tougher than anything I've played live. Um, when you say online 200s, just to clarify for listeners, you're talking about like buy-in levels? Yes. Okay. Um, real quick, I was curious. I know the Venom is going on right now. Have you played it? Do you have a stack in it? What's going on with that? Uh, yeah, I did bag a very big stack for T2 of the Venom. <laughs> a very nice. big stack. Nice. Um, yeah, again, like, for- Five point six million back to twenty two k big blind, so about oh my two hundred fifty bigs. How much do you start with? I, that? You start with three hundred k, so yeah, like nineteen starting stacks yeah. or something. You study your two hundred fifty big blind three bet jamming ranges. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, so the venom again for listeners is, uh, I believe it's two thousand six hundred fifty dollar buy in tournament. Yeah, it's online on ACR Poker. I think it, what is this one a five million guarantee or something? Yeah, so they alternate every three months between a PKO, which is five million, and then a um, normal non PKO, which is usually between five and ten million. Okay, how do you? Um, how, this one is the PKO version. It is the PKO. So player knockout is what PKO stands for. Yep. Where you get it's a uh, bounty, progressive knockout. Progressive yeah. knockout. Our progressive knockout. That's right. So each the bounty gets bigger and bigger as you collect more. That's right. Yep. What? How do you feel about uh, bounties in general? Bounty uh, tournaments. I, yeah, I much prefer to play a normal tournament. Mm-hmm. Like bounty tournaments, there's just a lot of stuff you like have to do, like, and it's a lot more variance and luck. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I I like playing them from time to time. Yeah, they, this one like I'll never miss the venom. Okay, so the venom is kind of a, a staple for you. Yeah, I don't. I have never played the venom yet. Uh, ACR. I, I mean, I know you hear this all the time, but I probably hear this all the time. But ACR just tilts the hell out of me. <laughs> I do um, it all the time. I, 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 it's the you know the four to six hour long late registration. The the minefields having to dodge four thousand players in every tournament. Yeah, um, but I mean, hey, that's. Yeah, so other than Sundays, I've actually been um, maxly regging everything. Yeah, okay. So you get in for like eight to ten bigs, basically, and you're like just pretty spin close it. To money. Yeah. yeah, I've been doing that a lot myself. Let me ask you, that's a great, uh, a great transitional point between live and online. Um, what do you have more of a do you register max late register, excuse me, more online than you do live? Uh, yeah, definitely more. It also just depends. Like if you're playing a multi-flight tournament in person, the first, like, let's say there's three flights, three day one flights, the first yep. two days, you're not going as hard. And then the third day you're kind of firing away is the idea. Okay. 
Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I actually had uh, a couple different questions. So throughout your poker career, um, obviously, poker is not the most stable, you know, it has its ups and downs for sure. Mm. Um, are there any points in time where you really had some bad downs, like either mentally or you had a big downswing? Um, did you ever consider quitting playing professionally? Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so there's never been anything where I've like been thinking about quitting playing mm-hmm. professionally. There's been some like, uh, remember I played like much higher than I should have. This was not even like that long ago, maybe six, seven months ago. I played some 200, 400 online PLO um, heads up against a very good player. Um, I didn't know who it was at the time, but I do now. And like, I I lost like a ridiculous amount of money in like 15 minutes. And I remember just like the next two days I did not do anything. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there's definitely like you want to have good bankroll management. That's most people know that, but it's about actually doing it too. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Poker can be very like mentally draining, whether you're winning or losing. But especially on the losing side, it's important to like kind of take a break, as we talked about, and also like keep studying, like whether you're losing or winning, like keep working on your game. It's important no matter what. I th- I remember you saying that, and I I think I kind of remember the time period because you said that was just six, like, you know, that would have been March or something. or something. Yeah. Yep. Um, I remember talking to you a couple times then, and not about that specifically, but one thing that I don't know if you said it then, but I know you've said is to make sure you keep studying when you're winning because what I found is if I go on a downswing, that motivates me to study a lot more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I'm winning. I, I still do some, but it definitely, I'm not going as hard as when I'm losing. And so that's a great piece of advice for, I think, anyone out there is if you're wanting to get better, like, just because you may have been on an upswing recently doesn't, it, it doesn't mean you're playing a lot better than you were on the downswing necessarily. Right. So. Yeah, and there can be some sort of like a winner's tilt going on, you know, you're like way overconfident, whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I might have even been guilty of that, especially after like my first or my only MSBT win. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say my first MSBT win uh, in 2018. I remember the first, you know, I I don't know. It may, it's not necessarily like I didn't go too crazy, but I remembered, you know, I kind of slowed down on studying, but I played everything. Um, yeah. And and I remember kind of going on a downswing after that as well. And um, I actually learned a lot from that time in my life, but yeah, I think that's it's important to to remember that even though you're winning, studying, there's always room to improve. And I think it's really easy, especially, you know, when you're early in your poker career, like the first time you win what feels like a big amount of money to you, it can feel like you're you're a little bit invincible and that, you know, you you have so much more money than you anticipated a couple of weeks ago or whatever. It feels like you're free rolling in a way, but you should never really look at it that way. Cause it's as far as the money, you're always just where you are, you know? And yep. so you, you don't want to do something to make the trajectory negative, so to speak. Um, another question based on that, have you ever been playing in a game, whether it's cash or a tournament where you felt like the amount of money 
affected your play? Um, honestly, no. Be- I mean, maybe subconsciously it did, but I, mm-hmm. I always kind of feel like no matter what game I'm playing, like I know what I'm supposed to do. So I need to just like do it. Do it. Yeah. Um, whether that's, you know, bluffing off in a 10 K tournament or like, yeah, who knows? But, um, no, I feel like I've never really truly been affected by the amount of money, I guess, mm-hmm. just cause I feel like I know what to do and how to play poker. And it doesn't, it, yeah. it does change from like different buy-in levels, I guess. Like, you know, maybe on the bubble of a 400, I'm way more aggressive than like a bubble of a 10K or something. But in general, still kind of doing what I think I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I have uh, transitioning out of this a, a little bit. Um, a recent podcast topic we had was how, you know, poker has made us uh, better people in general. We talk about patience. We talk about all these things that translate that you can practice in poker that, you know, you can use in other parts of your life. Um, I just kind of wanted to take a second and talk about your work and life balance. I know you have a girlfriend, um, and, and, and you have, and you play poker professionally. Poker can be a huge time sink. Um, I don't know. Time sinks the right word, maybe a lack of a better term, but, um, how do you, I know you said online, you're playing three days a week right now. Yep. And then, and then those other days, are you just spending that with your girlfriend, with family? What, what's that like? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've dove pretty deep into coaching recently. So I've been doing a lot of that. Um, probably making a killing after your recent results, play of the year and stuff like that. I haven't like posted anything about my coaching. It's all been like word of mouth and yeah. just like, uh, after the fall poker classic, I had a couple extra people hit me up and, um, yeah, I'm working on like building a website, kind of making a brand out of what I've been able to accomplish this year. Um, so most of my time has been going towards that. Um, I also like to play a few games. Like, um, yeah, other than that, I play basketball like once a week. Um, what are you yeah, gaming on right now? Where am I gaming on right now? Are you playing like, would you say video games or what? Yeah, video games. Yeah. What, what, what are you playing? So I play Call of Duty, um, a little bit of Fortnite we're getting back into. Nice, nice. Um, we're kind of all over the place. I don't know, like 2K. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was just kind of curious what, what you're into, competitive sure, type sure. shooter games, it seems like. Yeah, well, I'm very competitive with everything I do, too. So, like... Yeah, uh, I mean, that's yeah. that's that's a great winning mindset. You got to be, you got to want it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, used, sure. I played a lot of Fortnite back in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never gotten into that. Yeah, I did actually. I, I going back to your coaching though. Um, both a question and I, I have my own answer to it because, mm-hmm. um, you know, most of the listeners don't know, but actually, I, you know, you coached me. You've we've done some sessions over the past few years. Yeah. Um, and I think it really was helpful for me. But what? Uh, when when you do your coaching, is there a certain level of player you think you are best equipped to help out? Um, you kind of cross the board. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, talk about your coaching a little bit. Yeah. Anything that's like not a complete beginner. Um, I generally like to coach people who have like a decent understanding of the game already, like intermediate knowledge, mm-hmm. kind of trying to take them to the next level. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Something that you've done yourself already that you can kind of 
show them yeah. how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not I, I feel like I'm just not that equipped enough to be able to help somebody like go from like learning like opening ranges. Like it's probably just also not worth it for them to yeah. have yeah. a coach for that. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. In in the way I would think about it is like if you you know, if there are people out there who are listening to this and want to get coaching from you, my advice to them would be like make sure, you know, if if Ian is saying like we're doing this on this board because we have the range advantage, you know, you should already be able to understand why we have the range advantage and know what that means and why that gives us an advantage on this type of board, you know. Sure. Um so yeah, know know a lot of the know the vocab, know a lot of the terminology, kind of the be familiar with a lot of this strategy and and then Ian, I think what you a lot of your value would be like helping them implement that and see that in more spots. In sure. And I think a lot of people intuitively will get it too. They just might not know the vocab or something like that. And that can be taught pretty easily too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, because I remember when we at least our first, I remember we did like two sessions in a row. Um early 21, I think. And I had been a pretty good like cash game home game player, but tournaments I had, you know, I would do a fine at like Canterbury dailies and whatnot, but I hadn't really gotten into tournaments apart from that. And it immediately became clear to me like, oh, I'm being too nitty pre-flop in a lot of spots in tournament. I don't remember what all the other stuff was, but just, uh, yeah, getting your opinion on certain hands, I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. But also, I wasn't doing it correctly, you know. So just having an outside view of someone who's been through these spots a lot, I think, is super valuable. So, yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people even know what to do a lot of the time. It's just about them actually pulling the trigger and doing it. Go ahead. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. I mean, it's funny though, how many times I've found myself, I mean, hindsight's 2020, 20, right? Where I'm like, <laughs> you, you know, you, you know what you're supposed to do here, but you end up, you know, for example, you, you get check raised on the river and you know, you're supposed to fold, but you just pay it off to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Um, anyways, I guess at this point, um, we'll kind of start wrapping up things here. Ian, what does the future, uh, for live and online look for you for poker? Uh, yeah, so I guess for online day two of the Venom on Monday, um, with 250 bigs, 250 <laughs> bigs, feeling good. Hopefully some short stacks on the table to scoop some bounties. Um, for live, I'll be playing WPT Florida in about a month. I think it's right after Thanksgiving and then I'm still undecided, but I think I will be at the win for the entirety of like December pretty much. Okay. Okay. Um, no MSPT I, I, aces. Um, it depends on the dates. I still don't have my December kind of mapped out yet. But. Noted. Noted. It's a very poker player thing to do. Kind of do things last second. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I struggle with that. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, you know, Ian, I really appreciate you taking the time. You know, to sit down with us. Um, this is our first ever interview, like not between Wes and I. So we appreciate you going through the troubleshooting with us and kind of getting this all figured out um Wes anything else you wanted to end up with here so kind of the same question um 
I'm just curious, more like in the future, are you, are you someone who you see yourself being, you know, a full-time player for as long as you can see into the future? Are you thinking of, you know, I know you said you were getting a website set up for your coaching. Are you thinking of like ever creating a training site maybe or something like that? Or are you ever considering like mostly getting out of poker and doing something else with your life? Sure. Yeah, I guess right now my thoughts is kind of to keep playing poker um, and coaching and then eventually getting into some other stuff, um, kind of taking the money I've earned and putting it in different avenues, um, seeing what else I can become passionate about. Yeah. But uh, yeah, for now, I mean, I'll, I'll be playing a lot and, and coaching a bunch, but yeah, for sure. The possibilities are really kind of endless down the road. You know, let me just add on to that real quick. Is there anything else outside of poker you're passionate about that you just love doing or that you could see maybe yourself doing in the future? Um, anything yeah, that just rings a bell? Not really right now, I guess. I, I've talked to my girlfriend a little bit about, um, like, she really is very good at, like, interior design and stuff. So maybe okay. kind of doing some projects with her, like buying places and yeah kind of yeah hey i know a realtor if you need one yeah do you (laughs) Um, that's super cool ian again i appreciate you so much for coming in um guys if if anyone has questions for ian or for us feel free to send us a message i'm sure ian uh you probably have a flooded inbox after becoming wsop player of the year um i can only imagine but um if you guys want to direct your questions to me i can reach out to him as well uh Anything else, Ian, you would like to say uh, before we head out here? No, I don't think so. If anybody's interested in coaching, hit me up on Twitter. It's at imatakis, just my first initial and last name. And no, thanks for having me on, guys. It's been fun. Yeah, for sure. I'll add your um, username and stuff into the show notes so people can see it in there. Um, but yeah. Yeah. One one more question. So when we uh, when we tweet about releasing this episode... You don't want us to use the Hitler mustache picture, right? <laughs> you guys use whatever you want. <laughs> I have no qualms about it. All right. No, man. Again, appreciate your time, Ian. Um, hope to, you know, hopefully we'll catch you at uh are you gonna be at Riverside by chance or no? Um, not sure. When is that? Riverside isn't this weekend, but it's the following weekend. Okay. Yeah, we're headed I mean, down you can there. See how last second I am. So. <laughs> cool, man. Well, Wes and I will be there. Hope to see everybody else there. And uh, until next time, we'll, we'll catch you. Yeah. Thanks, Ian.